Episode 25 of A Beer with Sam and Peter. I'm Sam, he's Peter. Yep, I'm me. Chris And we're joined by... Chris! Recurring guest! Now second best Is this Doxy. Yeah, is yeah, this your... You, are you a bit jealous? I didn't say second best, I just said... Now that we have, we've had more than one guest, I can no longer just say that you're the best Look, guest. we'll let the viewers decide. I'm on Team yeah. Chris, obviously. But let me say, yeah. I think, I, should we get t-shirts made? I'm, ooh. Should that be our foray into merch? Team Chris or, or Team James? I feel like I'm not... I don't have... <laughs> I mean, like, I feel twilight like you need a, levels of... Yeah, you need a certain amount of ego to want to start that. <laughs> I know, I know, Stoxy, he won't. Which one of you sparkles more in the, in the light? <laughs> Oh, which one? You're both paler. You're both pretty pale. I know. Oh. Stocks is... Yeah. He, he, I don't know. I am the more pale. Stocks has been hitting the gym. I, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So maybe... You're definitely the moon child. He's the yeah. more capable as well. You yeah, know, I just... understand. <laughs> well, look, I wouldn't... I don't think really asking asking the viewers to leave a comment is the best plan, just because last time we... I mean, look, We've done that sometimes, numerous times. It's sometimes never it's, so, it's literally it's never happened. so much. Like, I just... It, I try to look at the comments and they just start flying by. <laughs> yeah, so, so many of them. I think you guys are really starting to feel what, you know, like PewDiePie and others must feel. Like, you just can't... Yeah. I'm surprised that you we just, haven't got a call. You just from can't them. respond to anybody. You just can't respond to anybody. But that's how you keep it real. I yeah, that's how you keep up. in touch with the fans as you reply to those comments. I guys. thought about turning off the comment section, but I knew like we'd become so big that that would just be a statement now. Like that, I, I couldn't just do something. Like, and then you'd have to make a like an update video, and you have to show your face and be like, "Hey guys, yeah. Sam here from Sam." We've still got that in the, uh, in the in the up the sleeve, in the sleeve, in the sleeve, our up face the sleeve, revealed, right? on the sleeve. Somewhere in the sleeves. Except pretty much everyone who listens to this knows what you guys look like. Exactly. Yeah, Shush. <laughs> <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> all right. Anyway, what are we drinking this week? So this week we're uh, we're all drinking Asahi, which is uh, Japan's number one beer, according to Asahi. Um, um, and yeah, uh, Peter oh. and I are drinking. Well, no, you no, and no, Chris. No, no, we're drinking. Are you oh. drinking full strength? I'm drinking uh, mid strength. Yeah. Yes. So let's yeah. just do a little bit of a three-way clink. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, that was, that was a good one. Good clink. I find that... Um, Drinking noises are happening now. I find that for me, <laughs> we can like make an listening ASMR. to the podcast, because I, I, I do listen. For me, listening to the podcast, that clink is always so satisfying. I don't yeah. know if you edit it in post. Well, we have to it always I, sounds, like, make it quieter. It sounds fantastic. It's always just like a nice little... You know, start. It's a good way to know that you're it's like a punctuation. Yeah. yeah, it's all au natural. Yeah, which is uh, now going to be the title of the podcast. Au natural. Au natural. It's all. Well, if you call it out, you can't use it. Oh, that's true. I do. Anyway, I, I do what I want. Anyway, <laughs> Survivor Watch. Survivor Watch. So, what has quickly become our most popular segment simply because it's the only segment that anyone's ever mentioned to me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, Survivor Watch. So, um, here's the problem, guys. Both Peter and I have missed several episodes of Survivor. Yeah, I'm still trying to get caught up. I'm almost there. By next week, I should be caught up. And yeah. I have a TV in my house, but I haven't watched it since I was about 15. So yeah. that's not true. I'm a bit of a traitor to the Survivor. You liar. So, okay, I watched like Origin and The Bachelor. Don't lie. <laughs> 
I don't, it's <clears> everywhere. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. With last cake standing. <laughs> I watched that the other day. Yeah, Adriana Zumbo's Just Desserts. Man, I watched this show on SBS. It was like an American show called Last Cake Standing, and it was blowing my mind. Like it was just it was this cake competition, like teams of two, uh, and the most incredible thing to be like, I can almost stand watching that bullshit if it's if it's in some way fair, but. Uh, one team built this like really tall, really top heavy cake. Yeah. And then decided that the best way to transport it was to not use like the dollies that they had, but was like to pick it up, just the two of them, just the two frail <laughs> cake making people they were. And it just immediately tipped over. No cake for them. They didn't go home. So some it, other it woman who had a cake, like the first <laughs> requis- prerequisite of going to the show and winning. Was happy bring, cake. Bring cake. Yeah. Yeah, she lost. So was it just to build the tallest cake? She last... wasn't personable. And so she left with a cake. These other people had no cake. But they were full of drama. Before, uh, yeah. They were real Reality long. TV, isn't it great? It's just terrible. Anyway, uh, just before we really get into it, I would do it like, because I've, I've just been catching up because I've missed a couple of weeks. And the yeah. last couple of episodes that we've done, it's mainly been you talking about Survivor. I will say, there's been definitely been a couple of times this season of Survivor where I've noticed where the producers have, like, mm. seem to be, edit like, trying to make certain people come to the forefront and that kind of thing. Like, for sure, the blonde girl who had the idol, I'm not sure if she's still in Phoebe. Phoebe. No, she's not, but she... For yeah. sure she got given the idol. Like... No. How, how could she possibly was, find it herself? She, she found the idol a while back because... Uh, everybody on the on on the show is just so it's just stupid, man. She found it because Craig just started going off on walks, which just means I'm looking for the hidden immunity idol guys. Um, and he just kept going on walks and kept going to the same place and then looking around and like digging and couldn't find shit. So she just followed him and yeah, dug around the tree and like, found the idol. She found it like immediately. Like she she went there off like no the morning cons- after Rowan got yeah. got kicked out. She went off by herself with a camera crew or whatever, and yeah. she found it like immediately. You know what? You know what? I have a theory on this, and I've only watched a couple episodes yeah. of this season of Survivor. Maybe it's because the camera crew is like following her. Okay, obviously they've got footage of it, so the camera crew is following her through the forest. She's looking for it, and you know, a couple of hours passes, and she's still looking for it, and they're still getting footage because yeah. they want to get that moment of her discovering it. And after a while, main cameraman is just like, you know what, fuck this. Walks up to her, it's just like, it's right fucking over there. Just, that's it. That's it. You know, I, I think it's like really easy to go go there because we've all been ruined on a bunch of different shows, including MasterChef for me. But um, from what I can tell, and it, at least in the American ones, there's there is a shocking lack of influence in Survivor, and I think. Uh, it's clear in this season that there's, kind of, there's not that influence, much influence going on because things are going real bad. Like the, I can see the the producers' influence, but it's like in as much as like trying to build the challenges. Once they did that horrible mistake early on, they gave there was three tribes, Chris, mm. and then no, no, I was there for the first few uh, episodes. Yeah, there were three tribes, the fall and of then Dez. they merged to two tribes. Right? Yeah, and what they did is they gave the winner of the most recent challenge. Their, their, their they got the prize pick. was that they, it was like little league softball and they just picked all the people that they wanted to go on their team. And you know what? That team 
never lost a challenge in the his, in its history. It's now gone. Never lost a challenge. So the other team just got kicked out. Decimated. Kicked out, decimated they lost decimated. like eight challenges in a row. Yeah. Oh, wait, was this... So this was the previous season. Of- no, 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 this, this is the this same season. season. This season. Well, so, really? so after what? the like the first merge, they mer- like go from three tribes into two. Yeah, and one of the tribes won a challenge, and they got to pick their members. Yeah, from the other two teams. Wow, it's pretty. It's pretty sad. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, they never lost the challenge, and you can see the producers trying to. Like fix that, yeah, and trying uh, to make like meld challenges towards the team that, and also losing. the rewards really reflected that. Yeah, so they gave rewards like, oh, it turns out, um, you go to tribal council, but you don't lose a member, they go to the other team. Yeah, stuff like that. So that, 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 that if, that, if the yellow team, the guys who were losing, did win, it would have helped them even up the numbers. They didn't want to merge into one tribe just yet. Um, and then another sign that like. How that they don't have that much influence is uh, that this happened, and then they lost. So they just lost another person. Yeah, and that and person went to the other team. So there's now an even bigger deficit. And right after that, they merged. Yeah, in this weird sort of thing where Sue went over to, it's like she like went over to Blue Tribe and was like, oh, okay, we're going over to Blue Tribe, and then immediately everyone else is going over to Blue Tribe anyway. Yeah, mm. uh, I don't think there's that much. I don't think there's that much influence. Um, I don't know, but that that moment in particular stood out to me. Just, I just thought, come on, seriously, guys. Anyway, so she's not. That, this my, woman my, doesn't seem to be that smart. What's been happening? My girlfriend. Anyway, my girlfriend Liv has uh, latest update. Yeah, she she's going to provide us with the coverage this time around. So after I, I stopped watching that episode, uh, last episode of Survivor, and um, Liv just kept texting me, and I t- had I. Wasn't there, came back to my phone, and then there's just this big wall of very short, rapid-fire texts that pretty much just sum up the episode. Yeah. So this is our survival watch this time. <laughs> just raw and ready. Uh, so Kate is making smart moves. Several exclamation marks. Go, girl. Several exclamation marks. Teary face. <laughs> so <laughs> suddenly things so went, must have gone bad for Kate. Yeah, uh, things take a turn. But yes, she did so... Go- she, she did is so goddamn smartly... Kate to win, exclamation mark. I can confirm that. Uh, Kylie just blew it. Uh, I'm going to assume this is fucking idiot. What is wrong with these people? It's bloody chaos. Kate is letting it all out. Tribal council. Sammy just said Nick is a snake. It's crazy shit. You need to watch this. Lee's over this shit. Everyone's (laughs) hating on Nick, but he has the idol, so he's going to play it for sure. Kate has let it all on the floor, so Kate's going well, obviously. Uh, I like Kate. She's the girl with the big boil under her armpit. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It's great TV. Man, you're missing out. The suspense. Several exclamation mark. Nick's playing the idol. Damn it. Kate's going home. There's been a shift in the tone of her text after this. This is bullshit. Kate is going home. Four teary faces. She's gone. <laughs> this is a bullshit game. I'm ready to not watch anymore. <laughs> Kylie and Lee voted against Kate. The bloody idiots. Can it you- was about... <laughs> Can you get Olivia on here to talk about Survivor every week? Because yeah. <laughs> so Kate went home, <laughs> and it was bloody chaos. That's, that's it was chaos. Nick's a snake. <laughs> bloody Nick. Um, wow. Oh, it's great. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention with Survivor actually is that if you guys are big fans of Survivor, like we are, um, there is an offshoot series that they've just started putting out. So there's this thing for all you new Survivor watchers. Uh, called the jury. So the re- the sort of limiter on how shitty of a person your your 
you can be in Survivor is meant to be the final vote. You get down to two people, then you guys don't vote, and if there's no challenge, uh, a jury of your peers, so people that have been voted out before, all vote to see who wins. So meaning that if you've been the huge asshole that's going to backs everyone to get there, no one's going to vote. So this is going to be the real opportunity for Des to come back and be a power player. <laughs> so, well, the jury is only the last, I can't remember how many people, let's say 12 people vote. Oh, damn. The jury, the jury has No started. Sammy King, no Des. So, uh, and the first person's been put on it. Oh, actually, you know, when you're listening to this episode, a few more people have gone onto it. And uh, what's interesting this time is every uh, every time there's a tribal council in any of the Survivor series, the jury members, they come back. So that gives them some context. They can't say anything, but they sit somewhere in their plain clothes or whatever and they, they fatten and up. And again. they just silently judge. And they silently judge, uh, which means they must be on the island still. Yeah, well, they have, they, they have like a 400-person crew that also lives on the island. Yes, well, so uh, now they've, they've done something really cool. There's a there's a survivor jury uh, uh, the jury jury villa, um, so you can go online to the survivor website and it's there's nine minute episode and it comes out after the episode for that day airs, and it follows that person as they go into the medical tent checkup which is like just outside their tribe yeah. it's out of camera all the time but there's like yeah. a medical checkup tent that's the extent of how much they get looked after and if they lose all their food, um, there's a small amount of food that they can get but they really do lose a lot of weight. Um, and they they uh, don't get any time in any other houses. The first guy he got voted off, and um, he who, was just who losing. Who got his... voted off? Nick got voted off. Guys. Oh, good. And he the snake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he his big deal was he got to order a room service. So he got like burgers and stuff. He's the first person living in this ghost town villa, <laughs> um, and he was really shocked uh, at how bad he looked because he hadn't seen a mirror in twenty four days. Um, mm. And he was talking about how he prepared, and what went on the show, and what didn't. And it's a real good look into if you want to see how much of it is scripted, yeah. or what's going on behind the scenes. I think I think a lot of it's not it, like none of it's scripted. No, none of it. But, none of it is scripted. But there's a lot of like the way the show is cut portrays people in certain ways. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, um, is it Andrew, the guy, like the the pink shirt businessman guy oh, that with guy, the hat? That guy, there was something wrong. Who was just basically talking about all his evil schemes. Yeah, but he was also like... When someone wrote down his name, he got... He got really, really angry. Aggressive. And yeah. As if, like, no one was going to, was gonna like, try and vote him out in a game where you vote people out. Yeah. And he also was really quick to mention that, like... Oh, I'm... About how, how the people that had done it with his two women. And how dare these two women vote. Like, he... I mean, he was... He was... Yeah, he seemed like a bit of a piece of work. Yeah. Because he was useless in chat. Like, I've only just recently watched this, so I'm sorry for going over retreading Andrew, ground that we've already piece covered. Of shit. But, yeah, Andrew was a bit of a piece of shit. Yeah. Garbage yeah. and challenges, and just not a nice dude. You, think, you know what thing you can also do? I'd like to see his. Um, for the jury members who were in Jury Villa, you can also see the video that they had to send in as their audition tape for Survivor. Uh, including Nick's and he's, he's all about Nick the scheming teacher and he's like standing in the classroom and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and it makes you think we can do that <laughs> uh, yeah so I could you imagine that. like for him to go back to the school and just oh, be that guy oh yeah thankfully and he wasn't every- too ridiculous no but yeah that's pretty brave uh, um, for any of them really like what, for what any I, of them that are like actual professionals like there's like a, a lawyer hmm. could you imagine like any 
how, how could she have any sort of credibility after being on survival the pi yeah it was terrible PI. Reading oh people. yeah <laughs> she was just like yeah i'm gonna get in i'm gonna get in with everyone i'm gonna turn them against each other and then everyone's like why that. is this woman like skulking around yeah. <laughs> 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 i can see you yeah. <laughs> she's like <laughs> like right like through a, people's like stuff grandma after they spill water on <laughs> um i think i don't want to, uh, i think i also want to mention i, I mentioned some of, i say something like this all the time but I have been watching a bunch of Survivor recently, uh, just not Australian Survivor. I got sort of tired of our low level of intellect drama. <laughs> and drama. I love how everybody's like pretty good natured and yeah, like but dumb, to be but real really dumb, chummy and stuff. Real dumb. Oh, fucking Rowan! What an yeah. The, um, the interesting thing was that speaking of the Rowan debacle and and the Phoebe stuff, the reason I wanted to go back is there was some stuff that was like niggling at me in the back of my mind. Um, and some of these things that they'd really cocked up, uh, I could remember when they were first brought up, like first thought of, like when Boss and Rob first thought about the immunity idol and splitting the vote, right? Um, and he came up with that and how he organized it versus how Phoebe tried to organize it and totally fucking failed. <laughs> and I was thinking, if you had watched that season, Phoebe, you would know exactly where you went wrong. Like she just, there's this whole idea where there's this immunity idol. Uh, someone has it, they play it, all the votes cast against them are null and void. Mm. Right? So it's this whole thing where if you all vote for this person as the majority and they play the idol, suddenly their vote is the only one that gets counted at all. Yeah. And they just get to choose who gets voted out. But doesn't that make you a target then? Because in order to... You have don't to necessarily you don't know, know that if they have the immunity idol. But you can sometimes have... Right, right, right. But, but, but in order to... You have the immunity idol. Yep. You get everyone to vote for you. Yes. And the whole idea is you want to kick out. That's you also happened. A guy but, named Russell Hands, who's quite good at the game as well. He's like an all-star. He once did a big blindsight by becoming Dez all of a sudden for no discernible reason. To make sure they all voted for doesn't, him. But doesn't that make you a target afterwards? Oh, yeah. Like next week they're still... Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. But maybe it's that kind of but thing so where, it's It's a thing where circumstances change very quickly. Or maybe, yeah. it's, well, maybe it's a four against five. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's just... The, and you don't, you don't need to worry about it next time because you've got the majority. Yeah, and, and like oh. the next time you can like eliminate one of the... If you're the only person that gets to vote, you eliminate one of the really... Like one of the top play, other yeah. players. Yeah. And so what happens if you know that, what Boston Rob came up with is you split the vote. Right, you get half of your group, your majority, to vote for that person, and half of them to vote for that person's friend. Um, that way, you get one of them. Mm. And if no immunity out is played, then it's a draw, and that way you just you all revote and you vote out that guy to begin with. That thing is really difficult in this game because there are a bunch of really scared, really stupid people who are supposed to get this concept of splitting the vote into their heads. Uh, last time it was done in Australian Survivor, Phoebe decided to do this. Yeah. Um, and you know what it turned out? Every single person in her group voted for a different person. So it's not like they messed yeah. up the split. Every single person voted for a different person. So it was this big upset. The whole majority were like... <gasps> yeah, like... <laughs> when, when, when they, when so they there was like... There was, there was five and four. Yeah, basically. Oh. And um, all the five voted for Phoebe, and then her group was all supposed to vote for someone, yeah. but they all voted for different people. Yeah. And two, two of that, two of their group voted for one of their own, and he got out yeah. by two votes. Now, this concept was was started in a series called Heroes vs. Villains, where they brought back, was like in season 20 of Survivor, American Survivor, where they brought back all the villains and heroes, put them on separate tribes. 
what was really annoying is heroes in Survivor just means like beefy guys. <laughs> it was just a bunch of Lee. Mm. Uh, and that wasn't very interesting because they're all talking about mateship and, and shit. And then all the villains on one side just meant like all the people who actually decided to vote people out. <laughs> it was pretty unfair. <laughs> Um, and that their tribal council was hectic every time. Um, unfortunately, there was this one guy who was put on the team called Boston Rob, who's a bit of a survival legend. He's way better than which we talked else. talked about on the podcast. Ever played the game to yeah. death, and his way of doing it was very very smart. He talked about how he needed to vote this guy out. Russell Hands was this other guy who's quite smart. This guy Russell, by the way, has had like nine immunity idols in his career in Survivor. He just finds them. The guy's like a mole. He just starts. <laughs> he just the underminer. He doesn't even need any clues. He just starts digging everywhere, forever. He's a like, little little squat hairy man. He's essentially a dwarf, and <laughs> and uh, Russell Rob thinks this guy's out, and he, and he says to the camera, "All right, so here's what I'm going to do. This requires something a bit complicated. So I'm going to do the drip feed." It's important to do the drip feed because these guys, they can't understand this concept. And now if I was just picturing Phoebe, just watching it going, yes, yes, <laughs> I understand. So day one out of three, Boston Rob goes to everyone and says, hey guys, they're pretty much enthralled by him at this point. He's ridiculously awesome. And he's just like, I think we should all vote for Russell. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> vote for Russell. That one day goes by. He's that, We're voting for Russell. And then the next day comes along and he's like, He's just waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. And then one of these other guys just pipes up, this yoga instructor dude, just goes, hey, what if he has the idol? That could be really bad, you know? And Russell Roberts goes, that's a very good idea, coach. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, we could vote for we could vote for his friend, right? <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, well, let's vote for his friend. So day two goes to his friend. And then Boston Rob, he's from Boston, obviously. And he's, he's got this great accent, he's like, the seeds have been sown. <laughs> and the third one, third night, he's like, brings them all together and says, okay, so here's the plan. I'm just thinking, it is he's like, we really want Russell out. And right now he doesn't know. And it's a very good idea, coach, you had of voting out, voting out poverty. So what we're going to do is we're going to go split the vote. Very simple. I'm going to tell you right now, you are voting for poverty. You are voting for poverty. You're voting for poverty. I'm voting for Russell. You're voting for Russell. And we're voting for Russell. And he explained it. And the whole plan, he had it for three days, was we just need to drip feed it to these stupid, stupid people <laughs> so, so they, they're comfortable with it. Um, and that's just not what Phoebe did. She said, she legitimately said, uh, they talk They talk about like, they basically said, the vote let's split stuff. the vote. And they all say, yes. No one mentions who's voting for who. Oh. <laughs> it's yeah. like this thing where they're just going to psychically communicate. I don't know. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think that's probably enough. Anyway, anyway, survival watch. Intensive survival watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, homework movie time. So this week it was Google Hunting. Google classic. Hunting. It's not your fault. You said classic, but you hadn't seen it properly. I had seen you it. You had seen it, but... What do you on. mean hadn't seen it? It was like on an it. iPad or something. Fuck off. Not in the... the it was cinema. something that was like 8mm film. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Peter. It was black and white. There was no sound. <laughs> it was just this jointy... It was a walkie-talkie. There's this jointy Mickey Mouse going down the river kind of soundtrack yeah. to it. All right. Okay. What's the movie about then? Fuck okay, so Someone SMSed you like... <laughs> <laughs> On your flip phone. <laughs> you grandpa. Um, all right. So the movie is... Um, it's... Matt Damon and Ben Affleck teamed up to write a script. The script was called Goodwill Hunting, and yeah. uh, I believe it was their first movie script. I, I know yeah. they had been in the business 
They've done, but movies. not in Hollywood. They've done a lot of movies with Kevin Smith. Yeah, they they weren't in they weren't in Hollywood. Yeah, they had done that, Kevin that's Smith. That's where they like, got uh, start. They played Loki. They played the Angels. What was that called? The Kevin Smith film about Dogma. the Angels. Dogma. So they were in the movie business for a little while before Goodwill Hunting, but that really shot them into the spotlight that they are both in yeah. today separately. And one of the one of the sort of that's one of the, like the big stories in Hollywood that's gone around forever is that Matt Damon did nothing. And Ben Affleck did the whole thing. Wasn't it the other way around? I think I've. I think it's both. <laughs> <laughs> the but, cartoon that I saw, which was very funny, had Matt Matt Damon doing nothing. Yeah. Well, well, in terms of like the writing, the writing, yeah, and the, yeah. the putting it together. But um, because Matt Damon stars in the movie. Yeah, but Ben Affleck's in a very important role. Yeah. Um, and so basically, it's about this very gifted young man living in Southie, in South Boston. Yeah. Really um, again, continuing the uh, you know that 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 Hollywood romanticizing of South Boston. Where oh. if you if you live in South Boston, there is brotherhood, there is love, there is family, and there's lots and lots of crime and killing. And many, <laughs> many gangsters. Talk, many many fucks. Yeah. Talk, talk. <laughs> So many fucks. Spousal abuse, child Spousal abuse, every abuse. kind of abuse. Cigarette Talk to I picked the ranch, Chris. Yeah, talk to Martin Scorsese, talk to a few more directors, they'll tell uh, you about Southie. Yep. So anyways, this young man living in Southie, very gifted, um, has a genius level IQ, but the thing is, he doesn't use it. He works as yep. a janitor, he's been in juvie. He's been through he, the whole foster he, system. He's been through the foster system, and basically he is like a secret genius. And he lands this job. Yeah. The movie starts with him landing a job or being in a job at MIT and a as mathematics a, as a as a janitor. As a janitor. Yeah. yeah, as a janitor. And a mathematics professor puts up this very difficult um, mathematical problem. I am math illiterate, so it's, I won't uh, talk about it. I actually know what that is. It's a uh, it's a graph theory problem, and um, I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's. it's Super tricky. Yeah. All these MIT grads are having trouble with it. Matt Damon is just, uh, he's cleaning the hallway one day, sees it on the on the blackboard, on the chalkboard, and uh, and solves it. Yeah. And so begins this story of a young man uh, learning to use the gifts he's been given and also um, deal, with, find a, deal with himself. Find a know. balance there. I, I, I always liked that uh, Matt Damon's character, that will he... Uh, it's not like he's just waiting to be be discovered, or he hasn't really tested tested you know how well he can do or whatever. It's just he doesn't want. He to. He makes a conscious decision, yeah, not to, not to pursue that kind of. Yeah, career. the whole the whole crux of the movie is that Matt Damon has put himself in a shell in a yeah. you know, a mental bunker, and he's so afraid that if he ever comes out and shows his true self that he will yeah. that the world will crush him he's Something a really, he's a really like good example of the problems you can have because uh, he's got he's a very smart guy mm. with some very straightforward um, psychological problems yeah and really not, nothing complicated going on but and, and it's, it's not impossible like, to deal with because he He's so he smart. He is so smart. He's he, yeah. He can get away with never talking about it and it's, because and, he can turn any and, and like any any psychiatrist or anybody who wants to talk to him about it. He, he can, can see turn, what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think it's also important because um, and this is where I was gonna I was, I was talking to Sam and Peter before and I was saying I've got I've got an idea about this movie. Just tell me if I'm going too too analytically deep here. But I think the the movie has an important message as well about because gender and sex are really important and especially if you pay attention to some aspects of social media 
gender and sex are really important in today's world. And this movie has a lot to say, I think, about the idea of, you know, being a, being a young male as well and how you deal with emotional problems when you're a young man surrounded by other young men because part of the movie is Will's refusal to kind of show his emotion and actually talk about his emotion yeah. when throughout the whole movie he's he's really you can see him struggling with it but yeah but but he i mean his solution isn't particularly groundbreaking he has a bro out with an equally yeah manly very hairy guy <laughs> also yeah robin williams stars in this robin williams is, is it's the role that i remember him most people will will, will hopefully remember him it, I, yeah, I think it's he one, really, of one of his best. like one of his better um, dramatic performances, but it's I got it's, it's got it's got the Robin Williams yeah. that that uh, the the light hearted the comedy it's the, as reined in as, as yeah exactly yeah. without yeah it's you know it's kind of like um you know Good Morning Vietnam I think you're saying Peter Williams. yeah yeah that's it's, I think that's fun. my favorite of his yeah it, it's funny now, obviously Good Morning Vietnam is more meant to be a comedy but but in this character in Goodwill Hunting as a psychologist um. He's he uses humor when appropriate. There's still a bit of like the the comedic Robin Williams that you know. In yeah, there. it's a very similar sort of role to his role in um, Dead Poet Society. Dead Poet Society. What's, what's yeah. interesting is that there's a lot of improv in his scenes. As yeah, well in that one, like the uh, in which one? Dead Poet Society. In or? Goodwill Hunting, he's still allowed to improvise, even, fighting, even if he is pulled yeah. back. Like, yeah, that uh, my wife. That whole scene where Matt Damon's laughing. Even though his laugh looks really poorly acted, yeah. that's actually his real laugh uh, because he's <laughs> laughing. That wasn't an off off take where uh, that was just a made up story, Thing or there. maybe not made up. I don't know uh, about uh, you know where um, Robin Williams is talking about his, his wife, how she farts in her sleep and she farts so she farts so hard sometimes she wakes the dog up. And then she 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 used to like bark at Robin Williams as the husband and be yeah. like, "Was that you?" And he'd yeah. be like, "Yes, honey, that was me." Yeah, <laughs> um, it was a really nice message. I was actually sort of uh, his character reminds me almost of the same like kind of kind of humor you get if you've ever gone to see Tim Minchin, who's an Australian comedian. Where where's he, eyeliner? Has crazy hair? Where, none of that. But the whole <laughs> idea, like. Um, He's uh, got a fantastic singing there's, voice. There's some really nice sentiment in a lot of what Tim Minchin says, even if he can get really, really like aggressive or, or like, um, yeah. or funny or crass. There's some, there's really some really, really nice heartfelt stuff in his comedy, and I think it's the same way with Robin Williams. With like Robin Williams in this movie, he's like his whole point about his wife farting was like a really nice one, which is like you. Uh, that's why you remember people. That's like that's how you remember someone who's like a real loved one. It's like the little things. Or like the little, or, or the issues, the little faults and yeah, stuff. Yeah, the, the faults had. and the problems are what you love. And not, he's not the only one that at. knew that she did that. Yeah, um, and I can say that I've I've taken that message into my own life. Like I've been with my girlfriend for four and a half years now, and I can say definitely that I know what her yeah her her faults just are. Just farting or, up or, a storm. No, <laughs> I can say that. I can say that. She doesn't do that, but like I can say what her her you know intricacies are, and I always think mm. about that. It's, it's it is an important message for people in and out of relationships. To, yeah, and know. that's that's like one of the things he comes to like bring to Will is like this whole idea of like how to separate the two. How like Will is really really smart, and sometimes it it hurts him because. Uh, it can mask like what's really going on. So Will, on one hand, is this genius, complicated guy, but really, 
is a very, very straightforward kid with um, some very straightforward issues. Straightforward in the classic Hollywood he's movie got, sense. Yeah, he, mm. well, he's, he's got, yeah. he's got, he's got <clears throat> like, it's not to be really, really cliche or bad. He's got classic abandonment issues. <laughs> and yeah, uh, he's like, withdraws from everybody from that. He's not recognizing his potential because he doesn't want to reach out and try. Because he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to move forward in his relationship with his girlfriend because he's scared relationships, about his he, relationships past in general and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he has never really had any experiences. He's lived in Boston his whole life. He hasn't done anything amazing. And the fact that he can remember all this stuff that he's read about amazing things uh, doesn't mean that he's done any of it. And if he was actually faced with any real life stuff, he has as much experience as any regular cooped up kid has, which mm-hmm. is none. I mean, like that's why he's, he's in reality so shit at keeping up his relationship with Scarlett. He can do this great sort of entrance, but he really has to like. Yeah. Also, it's all, uh, cher- it's all really new territory for him. Yeah. Credit where credit is due. Mini Mini Driver as Skylar steals the show when she's on screen. I she, think she does a great job. She she her chemistry with Matt Damon is very tangible. Like they do a very good job as I'm, actors together to convey like an important relationship in the I'm story. I'm not sure what happened there, you know, because Mini Driver. I was thinking about this when we were watching it, or when I was watching it. Mini Driver is uh, like a was a household name for a while, and really? she, she's a good actress. You know, no, she's, she's, she 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 bounces ha- off the screen happens? so easily. Like maybe she there just, must maybe be something she, under the maybe she just there. Like, something that's else. Kind of, uh, tragically, that's kind of just what happens to actresses when they get to a certain age in, in Hollywood. Mm. Like unless they're the the crazy Helen Mirren like Helen, Helen Mirren and Angelina Jolie types what's her like, name um, they just yeah. fade from into obscurity what's that lovely woman's name uh, Downton Abbey Harry Potter oh, Maggie, Maggie Smith oh, yeah Maggie Smith just, Maggie Smith was in uh, Miss Peregrine School Ooh. maybe uh, criminally underutilized uh, fast, <laughs> fast forward to a few more there. minutes in the podcast yeah if you stay tuned to us <laughs> we're talking about Miss Peregrine's um I don't know. I think there's there, so many things there you can a massive storm? Yes. Yes, I apologize, guys. There is a storm. We live in Bris- in Brisbane land, Bris Vegas. We live in uh, what is called a tropical climate, oh, which means... Um, Bloody hell. Which means uh, we may be trapped in this house. Behind the scenes. <laughs> it's yeah, raining. You're, de- you're definitely Peter's not going to make your 620 raid. Pe- Peter's opened up the opened up the door of the studio. And it's all yeah, it's a, it's a bit of... Peter opened up the door. Just there. explain that where you would have Peter, Peter... Peter opened up the door to our studio and a sheep flew by. Oh, <laughs> caught yeah. up in a gale. <laughs> oh, you would Brown think... Brown our that- way to uh, bloody the... Yellow brick road. That's what's happening right now. Like it's black and white, but I can see color seeping. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't want to like lose my heart or become a Tin Man or some shit like that. I'm over it. I was gonna start a conversation about uh, Alice in Wonderland. No, Wizard of Oz. But um, I think I'll I think stop. I'll stop. Yeah, we should just before we tie the bow on. Good um, ones. Yeah. Good ones. So what did you guys think of the ending? I really like. At the end of Google Hunting, I think he finds a balance. One character we haven't talked about. Uh, there's, you know, there's one influence. In I mean, his we life. haven't really talked about uh, Chucky. No, we haven't talked about some Ben Affleck. Character. It's just hard to talk about this whole movie, this movie, because I think there's a huge amount you can say about it. Yeah. Um, but one character I think we need to mention is uh, Will has two big mentors in his life. 
One of them is Robin Williams, who's all about Will's development as a person. He's pretty much all for forgetting that Will uh, is a genius and worried and worried about developing yeah. him as a person. So he's really worried about his relationship with Minnie Driver and trying to like become a more fully fledged person who's not shielding himself and everything. Um, and then there's this this other character who Chucky is, Ben Affleck's character. No, no, no. The other played the other the professor. This professor oh, who actually displays by um uh oh. the, the the dude from he's in, things. He was he's in, in Thor. Thor. He's a, he's um. Thor, uh, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Stellan Skarsgård. Who? I thought his last name was Skarsgård, but yeah. I didn't say because yeah. uh, what's his name, Alexander Skarsgård, is yeah. the the hottie yeah. in Hollywood, right? Yeah, now. and um, Stellan Skarsgård. He plays this maths lecturer who discovers Will and is all about his intellect. It's really amazing, and he's he's got that little mix of envy in him, and he, he just he can't. He's really frustrated by the fact that Will isn't. Doing something amazing. Yeah, Will has these, these two mentors pulling him in either direction. Yeah. You've got um, Robin Williams wanting him to develop mentally and become a better person and stuff. And then you've got Stellan Skarsgård wanting, like, who is very, very strong in his belief that it is Will's, like, it is it's, his it's obligation. Almost, yeah, he's obligated. It's, 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 he's obligated to become a crazy insane yeah genius mathematician dude and i'm all for uh robin williams train of thought here like i'm I, i've thought about this before and it's a real big thing for me that just because you're smart or good in an area doesn't i don't think mean that you should be obligated to even work in that area let alone you know it, it should be a personal choice for you just because you're gifted in one area doesn't mean that you uh need to go down that that road, especially if it's not going to be something for you, it clearly is not going to be healthy for Will to be in one of these, in one of these jobs that uh, that Skarsgård sets up for him. Um, oh, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. It, I think it's, it's more the the him. way that he is being pushed into yeah. that yeah. sort of role rather than being allowed to choose for himself yeah. and work out is this actually what I want to do. And even past the fact that Mini Driver is in love with Will and he she he's in love with her and they're a great, but he doesn't want to. Admit that he's in love with her. He's yeah, apart afraid from, of the apart world. Apart from all that, she would be so good for him in 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 terms of just his life in general. It's really important that he doesn't just push her away like everyone else again. Mm. Uh, and so I, I really like the ending, and I love how he steals the line that uh, that Robin Williams used on his wife. Yeah, and you know, some of it stole my line, and and he he like pushes off that that first day on the job. The Scars guy gets him and he goes to see her. I think that's a really good yeah, point. Yeah, I and think even if it doesn't work out with her, it's really important for him. Yeah, that he I, I think it. as a movie, it's an like just from a dramatic, like satisfying ending. It's pretty great. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think it's the type of ending where if you watch it, like you you're watching it, you know, on the couch via Netflix or something, and when the movie ends as the credits roll, you kind of sit up, realize that you've been sla- slapping. <laughs> You kind of sit up and you go like, wow, that was, yeah, that, you know, that happened. That's, you know, I have to think now. And you do, you do like a, like a knowing nod, like a total tit. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I guess. Wipe the tears from your face. So a natural transition from wiping the tears from your face, the the beauty of self-development and the struggles of the human 
just the How's wow just going, the guys? <laughs> just we'll, we'll finish it. Just say like if you haven't seen Goodwill Hunting, it's it's a movie that I've watched. Yeah, five or six times, and I was able to easily rewatch it for the podcast because yeah. it's just I, it's, yeah, just easily just Robin Robin Williams was one of those actors that like watching this movie made me really sad yeah. about just the circumstances of his death. Yeah, like just his suicide, and also just just like uh, he's such a talented guy. The level of and charisma just, that he and just to his his sort of final few years of movies that he put out. There was a lot of real garbage there. And when you look at stuff like this and stuff like Dead Poet Society and um, Good Morning Vietnam and even stuff like Flubber. Or or Hook. Or Hook. Fucking great movie. Like he, Julian he was, Roberts' he was so, didn't make any sense for the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> he was just so charismatic and such an incredible, like, positive force, I'd say. Even, like, listening to his interviews... It's, it just made me a bit sad. Yeah. And to bring it back to previous podcast episode of yours, Miss Doubtfire as well. Miss yeah. <laughs> Have you watched, uh, for everyone else, um, I believe it's half an hour. It could be an hour. You can very easily YouTube it. There's either half an hour or an hour of um, Robin Williams just improving the lines to Miss Doubtfire. Yeah. And it's on like the, uh, I believe it's on the DVD version or something like that. It's just yeah. a blooper reel essentially. But... For most of, no, for about a quarter of that movie, it was Robin Williams just given some material, like you're on yeah, I've heard you're on the phone to your wife and you're pretending to be a bad babysitter so that yeah. Miss Doubtfire can come in and take the day. I've heard, like, anecdotally. And it's just half an hour of him just riffing, and it's it's really funny. Yeah, Even I've now at this age. Like, that, yeah. that his script was like... And no, now Robin does something. Yeah, no, and, now, and now Robin does something. But I heard his script was like was like... Super, super short. You know, something ridiculous, like 10 pages. He just makes it look so... Anyways, I mean, yeah, we yeah. talk about... Um, you know, but yeah, please, go watch Google Hunting. Um, I've talked about this before when we were speaking about some other really thought, uh, some other thoughtful movies like Frank and Captain Fantastic. Where um, Did you I, guys talk about Captain Fantastic? We did. Yeah. I enjoy... Fantastic film. I, I justify to myself spending so much time a, lot, a large portion of my life on fiction, specifically movies and TV. And I justify that because uh, I think it has like a purpose. Uh, I think Transformers 3 might not have a purpose, but... Its purpose is to make money. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it can, Never it can do something. Um, uh, someone who was, was smart and famous and who I've forgotten. Uh, I remember a quote quote about how uh, I don't I don't uh, I don't watch movies I don't I don't I don't read uh, fiction for uh, the explosive action I, I read it to feed my soul and uh, Good Will Hunting is one of those movies where you watch it and you're like yeah thoughtful nod like a tit <laughs> I think that was me that was me with this film and also can I just say with Captain Fantastic yeah. I cried during that film I was hiding it from you guys but I, I cried <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't I had it, too it many emotions it made me think about how I lived my life yeah there is like and, and, and Captain Fantastic is also absolutely amazing go see it go go enjoy it go see it a couple love of times it. I don't know give them some love I know yeah. that give Viggo Mortensen some love god damn he wasn't so just Aragorn guys he's he's important he's done the thing other is stuff. though the giving love him love so he's much. in that sweet spot right now where he can really pull off some 
some really com- like com- complicated and uh, iconic characters because he's not Brad Brad Pitt. I think I don't know why I come to Brad Pitt as my yeah, example. I think of a we've famous had this actor. discussion like outside of podcast. Yeah, but you could look at him and he just becomes that character. He's not yeah. a well known face. He's not that well known. You you're like oh that's figure more than yeah yeah it's great. Anyways. Anyway, World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. <laughs> we're on to video. We're on to so video you are art feeding my soul. <laughs> hey, so you are a well-known World of Warcraft super fan, and I've recently gotten into it, as people would know from listening to this yes, podcast. You, you yeah. joined us yesterday, Peter. It is now what is it? Monday today. Well, yeah, it was yes. Monday before we started spinning in that twister, and now it's yes. now. Now, actually, we have a little paper calendar on the wall and it's just flicking off. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's just, just Brisbane. It's Monday today and yesterday being Sunday, uh, Peter actually joined me and some guildies to... We were just flying around, causing yeah. mischief. We raided, we raided Ogrimmar. It's pretty we, gross. We, <laughs> it was pretty fun. Yeah, I've like... I've, <clears throat> I've, from my last WoW update, I'd only just gotten up to like level 100 or something. Mm. Um, probably, I think maybe even less than that. And I'm now... I've been all the way through a lot of the Legion content and um, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about is like what you think of this expansion compared to other expansions and we could have a chat about like my experience as a new player, your experience as a long time player. Yeah. And so I'll, go, I'll I, go do something else. <laughs> I mean, you, you Sam can just a, sit quietly in the you, corner. You have, as difficult as you'll find that. You yeah. talked about like how you struggle to get into WoW but you yeah. really like it so I don't know it'll, it'll be interesting yeah. no I love hearing about it so I'll try and keep it like succinct because I could talk about WoW for a long time um, but basically I played right at the end of Vanilla so that was the very first iteration of World of Warcraft then the first expansion came out called Burning Crusade I played that all the way through and then Wrath of the Lich King came out I played that all the way through and then I kind of got burnt out towards the end of Wrath um, one of the biggest villains in Warcraft lore, which if you don't know much about Warcraft, it's a series that's been around since I think 1990 or so. Huge and it has an extensive and, and it's got a fantastic world. Um, it's not, yeah. it doesn't rival Tolkien or anything like that. No, but in terms a lot of, of video it's like games, really sort of cheesy. If you want to yeah, go on a binge, though, of like a, yeah, a if, in binge, terms of video games lore, right. there are some I think, great lore YouTube videos just I, about. I honestly think all the different characters. Yeah, I honestly think Warcraft would rival Star Wars to give you. You know, um, yeah, people who yeah. don't don't I, have I much would to do. Definitely say it's on the same. It, sort of it's level. on it's on the same level. So I've been playing those games since I was very little. Um, and the biggest villain, one of the biggest villains in the story, was this um, man called Arthas, who was a paladin, uh, a man of the light, and he gets corrupted in a bid to save his city from. What is essentially um, a demonic invasion. Don't and, put the curse helmet on, you prick. Yeah, and, and he goes looking for power in a classic storytelling, you know, you could talk about sort of Sauron in Tolkien and related to Arthas's quest to save his people. And he ends up um, becoming basically a lord of the undead. He becomes, you know, uh, a god almost, but of, of death. And so at the end of Wrath of the Lich King in the expansion, you actually got to go to his citadel fight your way through these horrible abominations and disgusting monstrosities, all these horrible twisted, you know, things that he had created because he's completely corrupt at this point. And you got to finally get to the summit and you would fight him in this big 25 people to... I actually did that the other day. Yeah, and it was was amazing. He would destroy parts of the arena as you would fight him. So you had to, like... You had to, you know, continuously... You're in this desperate fight for survival the whole time. So I managed to do that. 
And I was pretty much done with WoW. And there were two more expansions that came out when I was off. There was Cataclysm. Which is when I played for a, a, hot, a hot second. Yeah, and then there was Mists of Pandaria, which was... Um, I think that, that, that cinematic trailer for Mists of Pandaria is, is like... Oh, it's really It's fun. got like 50 million views on YouTube, so... Kung Fu Panda. Some of you probably have seen it. Yeah, it's, it's oh, basically yeah. Kung Fu Panda. I've seen all of them. I mean, and and for, even if you don't have, have any inkling to play WoW... Blizzard cinematics games, are always... Oh, Blizzard so cinematics have always the been... The trailers are so good. Blizzard yeah. cinematics have always crushed the competition like i finally got to see sylvanas in a cinematic with this legion yeah so and then i played warlords of draenor on and off um it wasn't a very good expansion but i did play it and then now we're in legion and i'm playing legion um i just as part of me wanting to be a teacher i've had to go to prac i've had to be a teacher for a number of months and I finally got some holidays from that. And in the two weeks I've had holidays, I've just been hammering out <laughs> Legion. I've been playing so much. My uh, my guild is now doing um, the highest level of content you can do, which is this thing called Mythic Raids, where you bring uh, 20 people and you have to fight bosses on the hardest difficulty. And um, only less than a thousand guilds in the world have even stepped into mythic raids so if you think about a game that you know at least six million people play uh it's you know it's fairly it's fairly serious it's fairly serious yeah. and not a lot of australian guilds um are at that level either so in terms of my my wow playing i'm pretty pretty ridiculous to be honest <laughs> play way too much i'm sure <laughs> but yeah That's no I, i'm enjoying yeah, it yeah so um, the new expansion it adds um, it's changed the way that leveling works. So it, it has yep. the standard WoW thing where you have your intro sort of thing, sets up the story for the whole expansion, and then you go into your leveling zone. But this time you can go into whichever leveling zone you want. There's five to choose from. Yep. Or is it four? Oh, there's four. There's, there's four. four to choose from, and there's a fifth that unlocks once you hit the level cap. Yep. Um, and they've changed it up this time so that uh, everything scale, all the content scales to your level, which means you can do anything in any order you want, which I think is a really cool. Yeah, so they thing give you a lot done. of freedom to level how you want to level, um, and all the storylines of each of the zones kind of um, converge on the main point of the of the expansion itself, which is that the the Burning Legion, which is this name given to an army of millions of demons, basically their their whole goal. You can relate this to any sort of other law you want, but their whole goal is they want to basically devour the universe. They want to. Yeah. There's a massive army of unlimited. They're old school. demons. They've been behind a lot of shit and wow. Yeah, so they they They're just like go the world to world. Yeah, burning, yeah. pillaging, um, and and just doing that. And so they've targeted the 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 world of Warcraft, which is called Azeroth. They've targeted that as their next um, strike point or something like that. So basically, yeah. your the idea of this expansion is to stop that from happening. And so we're going to, I don't know, probably do a lot of crazy stuff. It, it's just, it's the first month of the expansion still. So so how, how does that sort of, all sort of work? Like because you play through we, the main story content. We and come from is Destiny. Like, does, the story, does the story progress from like raids and yep. dungeons that they yep. had? Yep. yep. So um, raids will primarily boost the story forth. They've also already planned the next patch of content, which will bring that story even further. Okay, so would that add, like, new quest yeah, lines? Yeah, new quest lines, like new areas to explore. Because um, we come from Destiny where where you get it in one... Like, that, you get your expansion and that's all delivered to you in one go. They might release the raid a week later, but that's it. Mm. It comes in a pack. So this whole idea of 
Well, it's only a first month in expansion. Wait, like, it's the first month in our expansion, and everything's done. Yeah, the one thing I will say, having played WoW now for about a month, is I I really, really hope that Destiny 2 is a lot more like World of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of similarities in terms of the content that you do. The storyline is much, much shorter in Destiny compared to WoW. And the sort of end game progression stuff. So you run yeah. you run strikes in Destiny, but you run dungeons in WoW, and you then you get to the raid, which is a lot more complicated in WoW than it is in Destiny. Yeah, you got much smaller teams in Destiny. It's a shooter. It's a different sort of bag. But what I really hope they do is they flesh out the whole world and connect everything together and like make mm. the whole make yeah. it just a lot bigger. For Destiny 2. My, my whole... Mm. I had a few questions since like we, we had both of you guys on and I, I know nothing about this. My first one was about this whole idea of 20-man rating because I come from a place where I, I... If there was such a thing as like the guild leader, I would probably be in contention for that in terms of our group. Mm. And uh, I find it frustrating to organize six people yeah. on a mechan- mechanic-heavy thing. So my question... It, it just it sounds like mind-boggling to me in terms of just organizing 20 people to be on at the same time and one of them doesn't fuck off for some reason like an hour and a half in yeah could you like explain to us how raiding actually works because there must well? be a huge okay. system behind that of keeping people honest getting 20 people on at the exact same time obviously they're more committed but how does that work like you have to have a, key, okay. a, key, a strict schedule yeah so WoW has been around since 2004 I think so what's that 12 years 12 years it's a large amount of time I, I, I'm a maths major so I haven't done any arithmetic in my head for many years <laughs> so, so it's been around for a while and, and the first raids I mean to put it in perspective the first raids were 40 mans and Which some of just, those just some of those crazy. bosses when WoW first came out some of those bosses in the raids were left unkilled uh, the most famous WoW villain probably ever is Ragnaros, the Fire Lord. He's this big, big fire elemental. Can't he move. went unkilled. <laughs> no one in the world killed him for 170 days since he came out, right? <laughs> to put that yeah. in perspective, the Legion Raid just came out and the hardest boss was just killed within 17 hours of coming out, which is the fastest that a world first has ever been done. Um, in Warlords of Draenor, it took two weeks to kill the final boss. So that's to put it in perspective. So with every expansion, people get a lot more used to the idea of raiding. So what we have is my guild has... Do you has... also think they maybe make it a bit easier for pe- for like the lay person to do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, hardcore players will tell you that WoW gets more and more casual every, every, every expansion. They just, I mean, I don't know. Like... I don't know if I agree entirely, but I will say they do prune a lot of it down because it is a very complex there's got to be that, that element too of the fact that it has been around for ages and people there'd be a, there'd be people who are really really super hardcore super hardcore and uh and know what this know what this the kind of like rodeo is like if they're going if they're a team that's going for world first they would they i mean world first they teams would have, are amazing yeah. they are so interesting to watch. And, and we all know now at least we have an idea of like if you come into a raid with wow you, you're looking for mechanics Mm, yeah, like there there are some yeah. things. That yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so can you explain that sort of the process of what goes on? Like, run, yeah, run yeah, us, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe give us like an example of uh, one of your raid experiences. Okay, so like tonight, for instance, I, I'm as we're recording this, my guild is probably preparing to go raiding, but I've told them that I'm going to be away to record this. So what happens is 
with my guild and with a few other guilds, um, I imagine we have a Facebook page because, come on, it's the, the modern age. You've got to be face-to-face with your WoW guildies. So everybody's got a Facebook page. Yeah. Even us. Facebook.com yes. slash abuse 7 <laughs> so, so my guild... guild page probably has more likes than me. <laughs> it's like 80 members. Um, so we have people on the Facebook page and then we keep everyone constantly updated because WoW has an in-game calendar system. So you know yeah. when raids are going to be on. And because we're not a hardcore guild, but we're on we're teetering towards there. So everyone's got an expectation that um, we raid Wednesdays and Sundays, Sunday nights primarily. Yeah. Yep. We raid for about three to four does, hours. Does the guild does the guild raid Wednesdays and Sunday? Uh, yeah. Sundays? As yep. in like you could have sixty people not there. So we have a roster of like forty people and on the night the um we have so we have a guild master, the guy who's in charge of everything, and he's been doing it for a while, he's fairly good at it. And then we have about five officers, so people that deal with different parts of the raid. So we'll have one guy that looks after our strategies for the boss, we have one guy that deals with like personal beefs. Um, he's also a p- police officer in, Queen- in Queensland. Yeah, he's wow. le- our, one of our officers is a legitimate police officer, so he's good at kind of um, dealing with people. So is that legitimately when, when someone's just pissed at someone else? Yeah. When someone gets a piece, an item. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten that whole And he'll say, okay, can you just, you know, chill the fuck out because we've got to kill bosses. Um, yeah. And then we'll have sort of, you know, three or four other officers that help delegate different things. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's under this understanding that you rock up to the raid, you've got your, your, you know, you're ready, your character is ready, your character is appropriately geared. You've researched the fights. So you've yeah. looked on YouTube, you've looked at what other people have done, you have an idea so you're not walking in completely blind. And then you get in there... We use TeamSpeak, which is a think. Okay, so for people that don't play video games, um, it's like Skype, but uh, yeah. you can have like hundreds of people talking to each other at once. So we get twenty people in this chat room, and you press a button yeah, to activate like your microphone. Yeah, you press a button to activate your microphone, and you can speak. The idea is that you can speak whenever you want, but when we're in a fight, it's only the um, the guild the guild master or whoever's looking after the strategy that can talk. And you just talk if you need to let the raid know something like, "Hey guys, I'm bleeding to death. Someone heal me." Something like that. So yeah. it's for me for my guild. It is. I mean, we talk a lot of shit, but when we're in pools, it is fairly serious. And like, if you screw up, you do get you know reprimanded for yeah. that because it's. I don't know. It must sound very. I imagine it must sound very strange to the people listening who don't have any experience with it. But um, I don't know. I love it. I have you know a uh, definitely a you know a passion for video gaming, as I'm sure you know you guys talked about when Stoxy was on. You all love video games, but yeah, yeah, I I really enjoy World of Warcraft. I played it since I was little, and just the idea of you know wanting to be one of the the best guilds and kill the things is, is kill yeah, things. it's good. Right. So I guess the way it works is just, yeah, there's an understanding that you're all there to do raids. And so everyone works towards that. And, and of course people have day jobs. People aren't playing 15 hours a day. Like yeah. people get on and play two, three hours a day, but when you're on, you're just working towards those goals. So it's not like we're all, um, we're not approaching the, the South park villain, you know, that guy who can't be killed. We're not a, we're not approaching yeah. that. Some people probably are if they're, you know. And, and I understand your guild's pretty social as well. Like, yeah. you've actually met a lot of the guys. Oh, yeah, and I've met life. I've met my, my guild mates, the ones who live in Brisbane, um, in real life. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not, not strange or anything. It's just meeting up with mates because you've talked so much online. You, 
when you see each other in real life, it's not any different. So talking about the the anatomy of like a raid um, with twenty people, right? In Destiny, you got six people in a raid. So uh, when you each mechanic of a boss could easily have uh, six different, totally different roles. Yeah. Right. So six people are doing. Are there twenty separate roles? In a boss fight, in a raid, or they're like a group the of like there's a there's there's four dudes and they're all doing the same thing. They're all they're all DPS. There's so there are roles. There are three main roles, obviously. So there's the tank, the classic, the, tank, the guy that the DPS guy that takes takes the boss. Yeah, um, has the boss hitting them so that they don't hit anyone else. So there's two tanks. There'll be depending on the fight. There's like four to five healers, so people designed to help the raid stay alive, and yeah. then the rest of them are DPS. So people that do uh, DPS damage per second yeah i'm getting really really basic so are they all healing the same targets no so healers we might have um so you know very good mate of mine mate of yours as well um connor is in my raid as well and he is the fourth best paladin in the world yeah which in a game of millions of people is pretty great um and he is a paladin healer, which means he's better at healing um, people on the spot. So, for instance, his job is to watch for people that take sudden damage from screwing up and yeah. to heal them. And there'll be another type of healer that's better at healing the tanks. Which I imagine he'd love because it'd be great to call out people who oh, screwed up all the time. Oh, he loves to call out people yeah. and so do I. <laughs> Just get yeah. into them. Um, yeah, and then um, everyone has sort of different jobs depending on the fight, really. I mean... Bosses will target you with uh, things that you need to be aware of. So, like, one of the bosses in the current raid will um, start glaring at you, and after three seconds, he will charge at you. And the charge will kill you unless your guildmates soak up the damage along the way. So what he'll do Uh is he'll make a beeline for you. The boss will start rushing you. But if your guildmates stand between you and the boss... They will also take the hit and reduce it every single time. Yeah. So by the time it gets to you, it doesn't kill you. Yeah. So it's very much a teamwork thing where that's, that's, that's cool. you, you get a thing saying, guys, I'm being charged, and you have to bail, just book it out of the raid, get as far away as you can. The raid stacks up together in a line, yeah. and you will take the hit. And it's really cool to see 20 people working in, in such unison. Yeah, so I, I would say unbelievable. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I really enjoy it because, yeah. um, you know, and you've got fights where the boss will you can't hit the boss because they're protected by you know their lackeys so you've Mm. got to like split up the damage and you've got to kill their lackeys kill their ads yeah and then you can kill the boss and so you know you've got to assign a priority so you'll have someone on TeamSpeak saying okay kill this guy okay kill this guy all right i need someone to be dealing with this guy while the rest of us deal with this guy so it's this very um reactive and proactive very act just overall active style of playing a video game like yeah. i was just saying before to sam and peter that when at the end of some boss fights it will have been so intense that i'll realize that i've been tensing the whole time so i kind of relax and i'll feel my shoulders actually actually kind of release that i can feel yeah you know more relaxed but um yeah so i've enjoyed the expansion so far there's um there's a lot to do in World of Warcraft, as Peter's obviously found out. There's um, when you hit 110, you can you can go and fight other players in PvP. So you can head into the arena, or you can head into battlegrounds. Yeah. So an arena is like a two v two or a three v three style thing, where it's you in like a, a coliseum style setting, and you have to fight another group, and that's very professional. People people do uh, that's an esport. Yeah. Which is arenaing. 
or there's Battlegrounds, which is... Um, that just seemed more like a, a straightforward yeah, fuckfest of people. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Battlegrounds go a Straightforward fuckfest yeah. is a good way to Battlegrounds describe Battlegrounds go anywhere from 10 versus 10 to 40 versus 40, which is yeah, my so fun. The my 40 first experience, experience of it was ridiculous. a 40 versus 40. Eight, like, 80 people fighting each other is chaos. How does that system work? Is it one of those things where it, like people just start entering this area and the game... Just goes on, or does the game no. only start so with you 40 can, you people? You can queue for these specific things. Yeah. You can queue for these specific things, and it has a much better group finder than Destiny does. Okay, it's not a thing it's always had. I don't think. No, no, but, no. It came out of but uh, the, the middle group of finder for the group finder for for dungeons and for battlegrounds, and a, there's also a group finder for raids. Yeah, there are a group finder. For, uh, is that ridiculous? Yeah, is it's that, really dumb. Yeah, they basically they new to the bosses, and yeah, the whole and, idea and is they that lower the um the rewards. They new to the the bosses, and so if you go into that queue, it's a different rate that you're having. It's kind of like of... they'll they'll take care of some mechanics for you, or they'll uh-huh. just get rid of them because they require like I just like I was just explaining before. Yeah, the amount of communication you need to raid, yeah. you need to be on Teamspeak. Is the idea that like these guys will do that so they can see it and yeah, like, you're so at the raid? Yeah. Maybe they'll actually find a group after it, that. It, it's so that you thing. can just experience the raid without having to yeah. get all hardcore, like I was just explaining it. Yeah, it's so that which, which I think is a really good. Yeah, thing. you have that opportunity. Like, there has been a real trend towards accessibility for games yeah. in recent years. So much so that which, people expect that if they buy a game now, I think the the, the solid expectation is that you get to do everything that the game has. Yeah, and you can do everything. Which I don't think is necessarily... I think that's a good thing. I think more people should be playing video games and giving more people an opportunity to experience things like raids, which, like, when you think of... When you think, oh, I'm going to go raiding, you think, like... Vanilla World of Warcraft, forty people together sitting for twelve hours straight. You think? Straight, you think? Like, oh, is that mountain slamming mountain kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. Vanilla vo- Vanilla was, it was incredible. You had to play for months on end just to gain entrance to some yeah. of the raids. Yeah, I think you the had raid to like. Is... There was one fight to use an example of how crazy it was in terms of accessibility of games nowadays. So, back in original World of Warcraft, towards the end of it. There was a raid release called Naxxramas, which is this undead citadel that you had to go and fight your way through to kill a, um, you know, a big baddie, a big lich. And uh, basically, one of the penultimate bosses you had to fight before the last boss was this very infamous boss that any WoW players will feel a chill down their spine as they hear. It's <laughs> called the Four Horsemen. The Four Horsemen are World of Warcraft's answer to the actual Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Yep. So there's, you know, death, pestilence, um, famine, famine, and war. War. And basically, they were the embodiments of that. Almost now, a lot of supernatural. Yeah, and what they would do is when <laughs> you would fight these bosses, they would immediately split to four different parts of the room, and they would start uh, hurting you with their own specific damage. And if you took too much of that specific damage, you would die. So what you had to do is the whole raid of 40 had to split themselves between these four and constantly rotate lest they take too much damage from a single horseman. What you also needed to tank four separate bosses was at least four tanks. (laughs) But the way it worked is if one tank just took all that damage, like anyone else, they would die. So you didn't have to have four tanks, you had to have eight tanks. Eight separate people designed uh, so to they, fight each yeah. of the bosses, and each of those eight tanks had to have very specific gear. And gear in those days, most dro- most bosses dropped maybe two to three pieces of loot that had to be split between forty people. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. So you now had to go as a guild 
and gear up eight people off of bosses that would only drop maybe two or three items and those items may not even be the ones you want. So, months. Seems like just a bad time. It was... Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds like absolutely no fun to me. Too far. <laughs> people, people listening to this are just like, that's insanity. But it's not like that now. No. And there are so is, many, there are a lot of opportunities to, to gear up. You can up. do whatever the heck you want. You can gear up in whatever way you want. It doesn't matter. Like you yeah. could... You could do world quests. You, you could join my guild games. and be at our level, you know, within a couple of days if you had those days off. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think were... that's, that's the answer. Like the World of Warcraft's got it, the, the raid. This concept of the raid is the answer to all these people who want to have everything handed to them. Like, want I bought the game and want to do everything. Oh, yeah. And if you, it, it, and that's the, that's like just, just that's the reality. That's how people think now. And I think the way to get around it is with stuff like the raid, mm. where people people hear the raid, they think they've heard this big thing established by a wow of this whole idea of like, oh, that that raid, yeah, it's kind of something else. That's like. That's really hardcore. Yeah, that's super hardcore. And yeah. when someone buys something, even like Destiny, they they don't they assume that everything else, but they don't expect the raid to be given to them. Yeah, you know that they're like they're like oh I I have you if you ask them have you finished the game they have done the raid they can still feel comfortable saying yeah yeah I think that like that's the answer is almost just the lie. Hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. We call we call all easy stuff. We'll we'll, we'll call that story. Uh, and then the real game and then the real game will is, and, and that way raid. people don't get too upset I think the way the way that Destiny does that is so transparent because you fight the same boss twice there's a story mission where you kill Oryx Oryx is this big boss he's like the god of gods in, in the hive which is a section of evil guys in, the, in Destiny and um, he appears to you does nothing and you shoot him and you kill him uh, he's about your size in, in the story mission Nice. And, then, and then in the raid, <laughs> turns out there's a, some sort of quite quick story thing of, oh, that was just a shade of Oryx, or that was just a, that was just, you killed Oryx in his, and you in, send, in you your send him realm. back to his, like, shadow realm. Now you have to kill him in his real realm. And then, then you actually kill Oryx, where he's, like, seven stories tall, and he's, yeah. he's got all these, like, big experiment minions to protecting him, and, you know, you get to him finally, and you have to shoot his dark heart, and all this sort of crazy shit. Um, and, and the way they get around that is like they just have you kill Oryx sort of <laughs> same with all of them in Destiny you know? yeah Crota was the same way and Crota was the same way uh, Atheon wasn't no from the first but he just, so, he just wasn't mentioned so story. you get to experience yeah. the person and then if you want yeah. that extra yeah yeah, yeah. I mean so, the only um, issue with that I feel like if you try to if you try to introduce that in WoW say it's the whole idea that people were running around who have done the story mission saying they've killed the four horsemen, say, right? And, you know, and everyone's like, yeah. I mean, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, and it's not even about rating. I mean, in Legion, they introduced a new thing they've never done before. Because PvP has gone through a lot of different iterations. They are never... I heard that every was expansion kind of it is, at the start of every, every expansion, they have changed how PvP works. Yeah. Player versus player. So fighting. I'm on the Alliance, which is humans, elves, dwarves... Werewolves. Uh, werewolves, Worgen, um, yeah. Draenei, Gnomes, the only cool and some race. pandas. <laughs> and, and the Horde is like orcs, 
uh, trolls, you know, Lord of the Rings baddies. Um, yeah, Torin, giant, Torin, giant peaceful cows. cow men. Um, and basically, so you can you can obviously fight the other faction, and that's always been they've changed that every expansion. This expansion, they've done kind of a Call of Duty thing, which is interesting. So you know, in COD, yeah. how you could prestige, you kill enough people, and you go back to level one. Yeah, and you you show off. It's like phantom know. progression. You just do it. Yeah. Again. So what they have is in WoW is as you kill more people, you unlock a separate system. That yeah. makes you more effective in PvP, a separate talent tree. There's a, yeah, there's a PvP It makes you tree. more effective? It makes you more effective. I mean, that's the difference in, in COD. The reason Prestige was like, oh yeah, that's cool, I guess, man. It's because COD, every game, everyone is on the same playing field in, in that kind of FPS. And, well, here's um, the thing, yeah. No one cares what gear you've unlocked. Yeah, no and, and here's the thing. So in WoW, this does give you an edge against the competition. But when yeah. you prestige, originally it was going to be you prestige exactly like COD and you go back to level one, you don't have those talents anymore and you start again. So yeah. it's, you know, exactly like COD, you build it up again. What they did though, when Legion came out was in testing, they were like, players didn't like it when they had their abilities taken away. So now, <laughs> when you get to the final level and you are the ultimate badass and you can kill anyone. Yeah. You prestige, but you keep all those benefits. So there's no point to prestiging. I think they, they need to look up what prestige means in the dictionary. Yeah. You know, the actual, I mean, that's not the actual dictionary definition I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure. It's something about magic, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, no. The, the idea of reaching a, a level of... Of, of, of prestige. Of prestige. Yeah. I'm you know, recently sure it's a pretty good movie about magic. That's minus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shitty, Chris Nolan movie. Ending. Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't really like it. Um, <laughs> I, it was good. Anyways, it. so David Bowie. I know we've been talking about so much. <laughs> what, wow. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, what, do you have any? We might. Questions? We might have to cut it off there. Although I'm really interested. What time is it? Yeah, it's it's been an hour and fifteen minutes, and it's six seventeen now. We can right, let's go for another like fifteen minutes. Yeah, we can just okay. quickly talk. Oh, about should we give like a? Stuff. Anyway, so if you'd, like like, if you'd like to find out more about WoW, go to WoW. <laughs> <laughs> and if you wow, if you have any problems with WoW, I'm sure there's a hotline that you can call. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's get into the yep. real. Okay, to, to finish off, um, I'm sorry. We got two things. We got two more things we want to quickly cover. So, Sam, you had a movie that you saw. Yeah, so I uh, went and saw uh, Miss Peregrine's uh, something for the for the something. It's a Tim Burton movie. It's really long. <laughs> I'm going to be right back, everyone. Just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's fine. Uh, so, so, so I went to the cinemas and saw uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, um, which is a Tim Burton movie. It's, it's, an, uh, it's an adaptation of a book. Directed by Tim Burton? Yeah. Oh. And, uh, first off, I just want to do a bit of a PSA because this is the, this is not the first time I've gone to cinemas to see a Tim Burton movie and have just, uh, have seen just like the amount of parents who seem to exhibit an inability to fucking Google the movies that they're taking their like six year old to see. Um, it's not the first time it's happened with Tim Burton as well. Where, like this movie, there is a, in this movie, there are monsters who morph from people, like to these horrible monsters with, with like extended arms, big teeth, no eyes and tentacles coming out of their their throats, uh, who 
can only like survive by eating the eyeballs of uh, peculiar children. It shows them doing that. It shows them eating piles of eyeballs, sucking out eyeballs. It shows one kid's power is to animate dead things by shoving hearts into them, and he animates this one child uh, and uses him as a puppet to try and scare off uh, our main our main hero. So that, so the puppet with no eyes because his eyes have been eaten, remember, pops up and like opens his mouth in a very sort of like I'm a corpse being puppeted kind of way and says, "Hello, friend. Would you like to know who killed me?" And then like flops back down. And it turns out later, uh, good old Eva Green, Miss Peregrine, she's cuddling the, the corpse because uh, the corpse is crying because clearly uh, it turns out this kid's ability to animate the bodies is is kind of weirdly, terribly bringing them back to life. Enough to, to know that they're dead and to know that they're being horribly puppeted and to cry about it. Wow. Even if they had Okay, so, so... So what I'm saying is, don't bring your seven-year-old to it, guys. Don't go on a holiday to Noosa and bring your seven-year-old child to this because you're going to walk out halfway through with a fucking scarred child. <laughs> what's, um, what's the movie about? So, like, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children is a Tim Burton movie. It's, it's an adaptation of a book. Uh, and um, I, I really want to read the book now. It's pretty much... Um, X-Men, if H.P. Lovecraft had decided, it had gotten the idea for X-Men first. So it's a very weird, very macabre version of sort of an X-Men idea, down to even the fact that there's this peculiar gene that's inherited. Some people have it and some people don't. Um, Just like the X gene. Uh, And it follows um, this boy who has a really unremarkable life. He lives in Florida. And visits, and his dad, played by Chris O'Dowd, uh, which is really <laughs> great, is he, Chris O'Dowd does a great job of playing like the most muggle of people. <laughs> but he just doesn't carry eats chips. He's trying to write. He's trying to write this book about watching birds, but he's terrible at it. He cares nothing about his son. Anytime his son has a problem, he sends him to a shrink. <laughs> oh, I think we should. I think we should call Mrs. Whatever. Um, yeah, and they live in this in Florida, uh, and uh, this this kid's main. Uh, influence is his grandfather Abe who's played by the butler from Haunted House with Eddie Murphy <laughs> which is a terrible movie uh, that's who I, how I remember him from I have no idea who that uh, is yeah Abe is um, Abe tells is his grandfather and he tells him all these stories about this children's home that he used to visit uh, during the war um, they lived with it for a while Miss Peregrine's home and then all these gifted children and uh, they're peculiar children, uh, and they have these really great, weird sort of abilities, you know. So, um, some of the more powerful ones. One of them is a girl who's like becomes a love interest, who has to wear lead boots on her feet, otherwise she'll just float away. But she also has other powers over air and, and stuff like that. But there's some big drawback, like she'll just float up into the atmosphere. Um, there's the twins who are a throwback from an old horror movie. They wear these like. Uh, black and white clown masks all the time. That's not creepy at all. And it's explained why later. There, are, I won't spoil that for you. But there's a reason that they wear masks, and it's it's creepy enough that you're just wondering with all these kids I want you to spoil who that aren't after the, who, with after all these the kids who aren't masked, who are already really creepy, like the kid, like Igor or whatever his name is, who can who has this jar of hearts, and if he can have a 
animal heart or a human heart, put it in something, he can animate it. So when his introduction, he's not animating that crying kid. He's animating these sort of toys that are put together of like crustacean parts and old toy parts sewn together. Very, very reminiscent of Sid and his toys from Toy Story. Mm. And they come to life and he makes them fight each other. Um, very creepy. Uh, there's a girl with red hair who wears gloves because anything she touches gets set on fire. Uh, we move into the more creepy people here. Uh, there's this one lovely guy, lovely kid who's, uh, has bees that live inside his skin. Bees inside his skin. Yeah. Not the bees. <laughs> not the, ah, they're in my not eyes. the fucking bees. Shit. Uh, Are they in his eyes? They, see the wicked. Uh, when he like, when he tries to breathe out or eat. He has to eat with a muzzle because when he opens his mouth, bees will fly out and stuff. What, what are the bees doing in there, I wonder? I don't know. They seem pretty content. But they're just bees. Uh, there's Miss Peregrine, who... The whole concept is that Miss Peregrine's home. There's a bunch of these, but essentially the peculiar kids, they get herded and fucking killed. And so in every sort of time, there are these beings, these peculiar people called emigrants who... Side, there's a lot of sidebar shit in this, like weird stuff. So sidebar, they turn into birds. So Miss Peregrine turns into a, a peregrine falcon. Right. But more importantly, they uh, control time. They're like time lords. And so they, Miss um, Peregrine is in charge of this uh, group of kids. She herds them all in 1943. So all of the kids, all of the peculiar children that are around in 1943 or around that time, she's in charge of them and they get put into this time loop hidden away because Samuel Jackson's character is going to try and find them and eat their apples. Uh, and so every day, this house that's a really good place for them, hiding place for them because it gets it got bombed in 1943 in that day. So just before the bomb hits, they all come out every night. They all come out and put these like weird wacky sunglasses on, gas mask things and, and watch the bomb almost kill them. And then Miss <laughs> Peregrine winds it back. Eva Green is perfect for this. Uh, she, she winds mm. it back. Um, they live in that day. A safe. And there's a 2016 one, all that sort of stuff. Protect these children. But they never age. Right. Uh, because they're always in there. That's why okay. Abe is an old man, but he was... Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much the whole premise. Um, it sounds like I need to watch this. There's some other... Yeah, you need to watch this. The thing I will say about this movie, um, and I think it's important you guys know this going in, the world building is great. The suspense is really, really great. It's fucking creepy intense. Especially for the first half. It's it, really good that way. The, it, explaining how things work and the weirdness of everybody is great. There's a dude who, who you put a little thing in his... He, he, he opens his eye and he projects... He's like a human projector. And he just projects his dreams. And that's what they watch for entertainment. But it turns out his dreams are really boring and they mostly involve clothes. But that's like he just projects his dreams. That's his whole thing. Um, That'd be really awkward in some cases. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just really done really well. Uh, right up until the final act of the movie, the conflict, and I'm sure the budget has has made its way in there, and also time. Uh, clearly, the book goes on for a lot longer, and they really wrap it up, really fast forward, which I can sort of deal with. But the other thing is that when they come to this big confrontation, there are these adult bad guys. You know, there are these bad, peculiar guys. And you've been hearing about them, including crazy Samuel L. Jackson. Mm. 
and you're waiting for them to do something. You don't even know the rest of their powers apart from Samuel Jackson. Yeah. They come to this big fight and it's really badly done. It's it's like cat and hat like fight scene. Um, the bad guys do nothing. They just wait for the kids to do stuff to them. There's no dynamics to it. One guy, they, they just walk forward slowly at them. Um, and Samuel Jackson monologues the whole time as he does nothing. And they're just sort of running around having mischief. And, and he does nothing. He's a crazy eye. He used to be a crazy eye-eating dude in charge of crazy eye-eating people. Um, but they just do nothing. So it's just got a really disappointing ending. It's really... It's cat and hat shit. And it's probably the type of series that like probably has... Because it's a book series, there are people that have read it and are like super into it. Yeah. And so they might watch this film and be like, they got some parts wrong, but like, you yeah. know, they'll they'll have that niggling sensation. I really wanted to read the book because I thought... Uh, yeah, surely the ending has to be better in the book. Yeah. Um, and, and the suspense and stuff at the start, really, really great. The ending was fucking terrible. Um, That's a shame. Yeah, it was really a shame. I would really encourage you to watch it because the premise is really great. The quirkiness just is really like, great. The horror the is really great. Sounds really cool. The, yeah, the, everything is really really cool. Um, just remember that it's gonna get cat in the hat right at the end. So that's my review of, of the of uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Don't write it off immediately just from what I like from the ending. Uh, some parts are really great. I just want to speak my piece. All right. Okay. Um, so just to finish up, I. Watch something as well. I watched the TV series Luke Cage. The latest life ruiner from Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the la- the yeah. Jessica Jones, and now we've got Luke Cage. Latest edition in the Marvel TV. In the, yeah, the fourth series in the Marvel Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, it's kind of bad this kinda, time. I, I was say, dis- I kind of saw that coming. But I, I was really... disappointed to hear. Like, it's really cliched the acting's not great the right like the action no the acting's fine but the and it's got a really good cast yeah but the writing's just kind of poor in a lot of areas and it's really cliched the main villain um cottonmouth is like he's like just a black gangster scare- stereotype uh, basically that's the thing and that's really strong throughout all of these other Netflix Marvel yeah series. that's the thing that's really missing is Harrison. a really really strong villain Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin in Daredevil stole the show stole it completely. yeah, yeah I've been, completely, I've been like, tempted to rewatch Daredevil season one, Daredevil season yeah, one which for, uh, for a lot of it is a somewhat generic very like for at least the start of it very generic uh, like crime but it keeps a arrow good, it keeps like a arrow-esque it, yeah. Um, show, but Vincent D'Onofrio does such a great such job a great as Kingpin. Job. It, it, I think it keeps a good pace. It keeps the audience interested because the villain is an interesting character. You want to find out more about him. He's got these other, uh, you know, important villains with him, and they, they all seem to be in on something. They all know something, and you like like the main character Daredevil. You don't know what that something is, so you're trying to yeah. piece it together. And it's like the whole season, you're just like clenching your fists, yeah. just trying. The, what and, is and it? For, that they for know? like the first like four episodes of Daredevil, you don't even you like they build it up so well mm. of this this guy, the Kingpin. You don't even see him for like four or five episodes, and, and then his wonderful. reveal is really interesting. Yeah, I, I, for me, he stole the show in season two, where he really doesn't feature that much. No, he's only in like but one the or most two memorable parts for me for se- of season two of Daredevil were the Kingpin scenes still. As he got more and more into his whole crime, 
aspects like being taking over the prison from the previous being being less of a white collar like uh, asking people to do stuff for him more of just a straight up yeah, Quite being less of a man behind the scenes. Yeah. And more like upfront, straight up. Talking about how much he likes Whereas, whereas Cottonmouth yeah. is very much like it, the, the series is set in, um, uh, fucking. Is it set before? Harlem? No, no, it's set, yeah, it's set in Harlem. Um, and it makes it, makes it out to be like Harlem and Hell's Kitchen are like a continent apart. Even though they're both like neighborhoods in New York, yeah, it makes it, it it's really no weird the way help that it him. sets up. Yeah. yeah, like that all this stuff is just going on in Harlem, and it's like it's this own self-contained thing. It's set after Jessica Jones, um, and it kind of acknowledges some of the stuff that happened in Jessica Jones, but just mm. Luke Cage's character is just. I think he was a lot more like the writing that and the sort of backstory that they gave for him was a, like they explore how he got his powers and like his wife that died and stuff. Um, but I think that was a lot more compelling yeah. in how they had it in Jessica Jones it's and a- now, how they have it in this. There's a like th- there's a lot of problems. The the villain is very very one note. He's like this gangster guy who has a who owns a club and he sits up on the top balcony and looks down at all the people below dancing and listening to music and yeah all this kind of garbage <laughs> um listening to music dancing fucking how could they garbage <laughs> in a club I think that's really disappointing for me because like yeah the, the, they've I, I've been blown away with with what they've done with those other properties both Daredevil and Jessica Jones I was I've been I, I, I read comics but I, I've just never been a fan of either of them and they've maybe Jessica Jones a little bit but they've they totally turned it around for me. I loved Daredevil, mainly for the villain, but yeah, I loved Devil, uh, Daredevil, and I thought that was really great. They had a good, they had Daredevil, fair enough hero, uh, kind of believable, and this villain that you love to see on screen. Mm. Um, you, you, you're like kind of, you either, you wanted to win or you want to be him, or there's something there that you, you really can like. And, and, and David Tennant's villain yeah, and, and Jessica Jones right, the opposite the way. way. I think, I think, I think David Tennant's character was the opposite way. He was disturbing, you know. They made this really bad. They did a big bad villain with him, but they really took that sort of R rating idea and they made him bad enough that it worked as a compelling villain because he was really unsettling and and he did some really disturbing shit. He was scary, um, and it, it that that drove that series. Yeah, and the, there's a lot of times in this series where you can see that they're kind of trying to go in that direction. Like, he just fucking murders his henchmen all the goddamn time. <laughs> that's which the classic is like bad guy. The classic bad guy. Yeah, that's the thing. problem. That's something they're used they're, to. Like, he gets, like, near the start of the series, he gets this new henchman who is, like, the henchman of, of this other guy, other criminal guy called Diamondback who is... <laughs> Like I think he's like meant to be like the big bad guy behind the scenes. Is right. this guy called Shades, whose whole conceit? Oh my of, god, we got yeah, Diamond back in Shades. Yeah, it's he's, not going well. He's played by um a guy from like the ball guy from uh from the actual Sons of Anarchy. The ball guy from he Sons might not be bald. He might be the guy. He might have like the shaved um mohawk. Like shaved head. Anyway, Shades. Anyway, Juice? anyway, is he played by Juice? I can't remember. I don't know. You'll see him and you'll know he's okay. from... Yeah, okay. he's played by a guy from um, Sons of Anarchy. And his whole conceit of his character is 
he wears Ray-Bans and basically <laughs> his whole thing because his name is Shades his name is Shades <laughs> and he wears Ray-Bans so he can take them off dramatically and oh, say dramatic things he's from CSI <laughs> what's that guy's name Horatio it's Horatio Hornblower no nothing it's just something. it's the weirdest fucking thing yeah. They have the Who on standby. Is there already a compilation on YouTube of this guy taking off his shades? Oh, there has to be. Who are you playing? Yeah, he like takes off his shades and says dramatic (laughs) things. It's does he have like no eyes or something? No, he's no, no, no. He's just a regular dude. No, he just wears shades. And his name is Shades. His name is Shades. That's the level of. Shit. Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. Daredevil had it, like Kingpin. Daredevil had Nobu. Daredevil had Madame Gao. And you have oh, no idea yeah. what's going and, on with yeah, her. But, like, but you know what? You know what Luke Cage has? Yeah. Uh, shades. Shades. Motherfucker. Fucking shades. Don't forget the Punisher if we're talking about Daredevil. That was cool. Yeah. But like, and Daredevil and Jessica Jones both had these like classic villains from the comics that have yeah. sort of comic bookie. But, but they, they did them so well. They did them so well. Yeah. And this guy's just like. Just over the top, ridiculous. Yo, I wear glasses, man. To be fair, though, I think trying to do that same thing with Luke Cage might have been that step too far because Luke Cage is one, one-dimensional it, motherfucker it's a very, in the comics. Yeah, he's... It's a very difficult he's thing. A really and he's nothing, been, nothing he's, character. He's like a nothing character, but... He's a, he, he was like... But he was interesting in Jessica Jones, I thought. He was... Yeah, and in Jessica just, Jones, yeah. It just turns out that when he has to anchor a series, it's... Yeah, did he need they, a spin-off? Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, he did need a spin-off, I think, but they just haven't done that character justice. They could have thought the of Punisher would be a great thing, spin-off. But it's just I a thought, very straightforward. That was the logical step was to do a Punisher spin-off. Mm. Or well, I mean, the, the original Angel, plan, Angel of Mercy. The original uh, plan was to always do like the the, the defenders. Yeah. So Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. Oh my god! And I am Iron Fist. so excited for an I, Iron, Iron Fist. Iron Fist has been announced. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! It's the, Iron Fist it's the, is so the Knight of Flowers from Game of Thrones is playing Iron Fist. Mm. Oh, I'm so excited for Iron Fist because it gets it gets weird, guys. It's it's weird. Chinese interdimensional magic. It's yeah. Where, it's where Madame Gauss from is is where yeah. Iron Fist. Is yeah, because she's actually like an ancient being and. So yeah, when she says when she says she's not around from around here or when she 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 has some small references in Daredevil mm, yeah. to the idea that she's from this other dimension. Yeah, she's from another yeah. dimension. Whereas the Luke Cage story, I've I'm about ten episodes in, and there's thirteen episodes. The the Luke Cage story so far is a very straightforward gangster story, but just with this dude that has it's impenetrable amazing. skin and super strength. There's this really. I Can mean, we talk about like that guy's like clothing budget would suck. If you just get shot all yeah, the time. Yeah, and they, they make jokes about that. Like, oh, really? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm sick of having to change my clothes because they're just full of bullet holes. Like, can I be like Superman? That would legitimately suck. aura or some shit. Like, that Look would, it up. Like, seriously, yeah. that would that would suck. But you're not going to go charging. Well, I mean, honest, you could go charging. How many times do you get shot a day? Because I'm, I'm at zero. I'm at a solid zero. No, but I'm saying well, Luke Cage is not doing that well. Yeah, he's a, like, he's a, like <laughs> they also they also have they have fucking magic bullets that can shoot him. Oh my! What? Yeah, kryptonite. they have like he's Black Superman. He he's Black Superman. We're watching but Black they have Superman. the fucking Kryptonite, which What's is like the, what is the magic bullets? They have these weird bullets made by ha- Hammertech, which is the rival of Tony Stark's company. Yeah, we, we, um, the, the joke, the which Man is movies. strange, because the joke is that all of Hammertech stuff doesn't work. But these do. They like. Drill into these weird like drill bullets. Oh, that's that, cliche. They like drill in and then explode, so they don't kill him. Are they like for tanks or something? Something like that. 
This is like uh, this is yeah, sad. I think they are for tanks. This is like level is... of like remember wanted. Yeah, that that's film? wanted. Le- this is real sad. Oh, I loved wanted. I'm it's... upset about this. That's, that's wanted level movie. of like do- to curve the bullet. Jesus. Jesus yeah, Christ. yeah. Oof. So so unfortunately, it's, it's not. Film. It's not that great. Um, it, it has some weird poor writing stuff where like it does one of those sort of classic movie and TV show things where it doesn't acknowledge time, like bad movie and TV show things where it doesn't acknowledge time passing properly. Mm. So like the characters will be like, Oh, we got to get away. And then like the next scene, like, and then it cuts to them being immediately chased where it's like, it couldn't possibly be that they are driving somewhere. And then, all these things happen for them to have been found. Some of the stuff, some of the stuff that you want like to see. start chasing them. Yeah, doesn't like it doesn't, it's got a lot of scenes that don't join together properly. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah, it, it there, there's some times where there's characters that know things that they couldn't possibly know, or at least it, they have just cut yeah. the scene where they found out what happened. Like there's this one scene where Luke Cage has been shot and um, the person that's helping him, that gets her mum to drive like the their green van because her mum owns like a restaurant with like the restaurant name on it to come and pick them up so they can get a car and get him out of the city to some scientist dude who's going to fix him up yeah and all the next, very yeah, they like get into the van and start driving away the next scene is Cottonmouth the main villain going oh yeah we got to find him they're in this car and it never shows how he found that out but anyway, maybe watch like a summary on YouTube or something. But yeah. So you, like I, would, not, I think you would not recommend. I, I, nah, I'll give it a yeah, miss. Yeah, maybe not. I'm going to give it a miss. I'm going to give it a solid miss and start, I just keep watching Sons of Anarchy because I'm almost done. <laughs> and there are uh, seven seasons of that show. Yeah. I love Sons of Anarchy. Chris, have you ever watched Sons of Anarchy? No, I haven't. Fucking give that a try. <laughs> I kind of I want you guys to watch it just to see what you think about it and see whether or not yeah, I'm maybe. being too harsh. But... I mean, but yeah, I really don't have high hopes. What's, now. what's interesting about him though? He can't get hurt. That's not, and that's kind of the the point is. I, like, know, I just don't see what the draw. It, of that it is. does a lot of the. It has a lot of the classic like Superman things of oh we'll kill the we can't hurt him so we'll kill the people he's close to and all that kind of like really yeah. cliche. The thing stuff. with Superman that makes him interesting is nothing. Luke Cage is not super powered enough to get the same interest level as Superman. Superman's whole deal is that he has you, to deal with all saying that Superman is interesting? Yeah, I think Superman's really interesting. Anybody who's read All-Star Superman now understands what Superman's all about. He's the loving sun god for all of us. His, his ideas are about trying to influence people and, um, and, and, and do stuff with like ultimate to, uh, power. I'd like to quote Max Landis on this, the... The creator of the death of Superman oh. YouTube video yeah. starts off by saying, you know, who gives a shit about Superman? You don't give a shit about Superman. What's special about him? That he was the first superhero? That he's yeah, and that, that's powers? what Luke Cage... That does not make an interesting superhero. Kind of tries to do. It's like trying to tell like a Superman story, but on a much smaller scale in just the na- neighborhood no, of yeah. Harlem. Me and, me and Superman don't have that much beef. I don't actually mind yeah. the character that much. Superman, I think for people that... Superman... Is is exactly you know you're talking about like oh he's so he's so well known, mm. um and you gotta understand especially with comic books and movies Superman's a property, and he's been used so much that there like anything that's been used that much there's gonna be a lot of bullshit that you can point to because there's a lot of ammunition to there's use a against. lot of, yeah because it's not like there's there's some Superman guy like authority 
issuing whether it's okay to do this or not. Like, it's all it's all separate. Mm. Um, and I think there's some great material. If you want to, re- if you if you hate Superman, I was a real hate Superman kind of guy. Uh, what are you talking about? You love Smallville. I love Smallville, but that was because I was a kid. No, I, I, no, I haven't always loved, loved you Superman. You just looked up to Tom Wellington or whatever his name <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I had a big thing for Chloe. <laughs> um, uh, but you should read a thing called All-Star Superman, which is really good. And it's, it's, it's him about... But you see, Luke Cage isn't powerful enough to have the Superman. The whole idea with Superman is that he's got enough power that he's almost godlike. And in... And, and and as such, he gets blamed for everything. Uh, Superman isn't omniscient, and yet people treat him like he is. Um, so there's a lot of stuff in also Superman with him dealing with the whole idea that if anything goes wrong, Superman wasn't there to fix it. Um, it's his fault. You know what else? We should, you, you should watch Watchmen. Watch. That's an interesting look at Doctor Manhattan. Pretty much the same thing as, as a godlike villain. But yeah. anyways, we can get into Watchmen another day. We've talked we've about ba- Watchmen we've, on the podcast. We've rabbited oh, yeah, on for far too long. Yeah, Were you yeah. even on that episode? Was, I don't know. It's don't possible. Know, maybe not. Who knows? Anyway, we, yeah, we've, we've, anyway, we've been going on and on and on. Yeah. Homework movie for this week. Uh, we're going to do Equilibrium. Equilibrium which which is, is a movie we've been meaning to talk about yeah. for a while, so we're going to make it a homework movie to force us to talk about Guys, it. Guys, it's great. It's it's all philo- uh, philosophy uh, until the gun kung fu starts. Then it's all gun kung fu. <laughs> and if that doesn't make you want to watch the movie, I don't know what we, will. We won't. Yeah. Don't don't say any more. Leave it up to them. Yeah. Gun fu people. It's on yeah. Netflix. It's actually, like, it's actually Gun Carter, but anyway. Uh, right, whatever. Sean Bean, uh, Christian Bale. Um, can't think of anyone else. Some guns. Some guns. Guns. Some anyway, times a anyway, puppy dog. Anyway, oh, yeah. Watch. Anyway, watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like us on Facebook. Facebook.com We're everywhere. Whether it be the same Peter or AB with SP in on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and we're on SoundCloud as well. Yeah. Which you no doubt could be possibly listening to us from SoundCloud. Yeah. Anyway, and, uh, Chris, it, did you have anything you wanted to plug? No, 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 I do not. Okay, um, good stuff. Good. Local places, hair products. Uh, um, you know, I don't know. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> I have no idea. Go, go watch. Thanks for the and enjoy. Yeah, thanks for listening to us, Apple. <laughs> <laughs>